Hey, I'm Pastor Kevin. I'm really glad you're here today. Um, we're going to have a good time. We're starting a new series called Swipe Right. So if you're tired of swiping wrong, you're in the right place. If you didn't even know you were swiping wrong, well, we're really glad you're here. We're going we're gonna to help you out. So there's a whole lot of swiping going on. That was a song a long time ago that I just changed the lyrics of a little bit. But our cell phones light up an average of 150 times per day. That's just on average. So that's about once every six minutes that you're fondling your phone. You just can't keep your hands off of it. And there's a new thing in our country called phantom vibration syndrome. You think, oh, I think I just got a text. But you didn't. But your brain wants that hit of dopamine so bad, it tricks you into thinking that you just got a notification. Has that ever happened to anybody? All right, okay, all right. Good. So now we know where all the addicts are. Okay, good. All right, we can move forward now. <laughs> but it's true, man. We are so hooked to these devices, and it has really caused a titanic shift in how relationships come about. I talk to people all the time. So how did you meet? Oh, we met online. How does that even happen? But, but nonetheless, it does. It's like the new way people are meeting. Nothing, I mean, nothing wrong with it per se. God can use anything, right? But it has just in fact, there has not been a larger shift in our society in how relationships happen. The biggest shift that we can point back to goes all the way back to when we as a human race stopped being nomadic and we started building farms and we became an agrarian culture. And that changed how dating and relationships, there has not been a bigger shift since then until now. And it is all connected to our smart devices, our smartphones. So uh, I remember, I'm, I'm a happily married man. I remember how I met my wife. I was 16 years old. We've been married about 10 years now, but um, <clears throat> maybe a little longer. But anyway, but we met at youth camp. I mean, good things can happen at youth camp, right? Send your kids to youth camp. I met my mate there, and, uh, and, it, and it, this is kind of how it, how it happened. I was worshiping God, and I was in the Spirit, and, and I was like, woo, hey, hello. <clears throat> and uh, that's just how it used to happen in the old days, kids. You actually had to, like, make eye contact with people and stuff. It was crazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, but we're 36% of all data transferred on the Internet. 36%, that's a lot, of all data transferred on the internet is pornography. That's a lot of boobies, man. You know what I'm saying? Just throwing that out there. But one out of four searches online is sexual in nature. Now, if we didn't tell you earlier, this is a rated PG-13 sermon today. We do have age-appropriate environments for your kids. We have something for middle schoolers, although um, they've probably already heard all this. <laughs> Right, a couple, several years ago, we did a series sort of like this. <clears throat> I had somebody come up to me and go, I can't believe you talked about this in front of my kids. I'm like, well, you know, we do have, you know, children's church for a reason. But um, they're like, well, they're not, in children's, they're not in children's church. They're in middle school. I'm like, oh, well, they've already heard all this. <laughs> the average age now that kids see a pornographic image is six. Six. So think about that. Is it gone down to five? Think about that when you say, here's your first Here's your first iPhone, Junior. Just think about that. So, uh, not good, not good, not good. Now, sex is good. I expected a better amen, but it's too late now. Don't say it, don't say it. It'll be awkward. But I'll just throw this out there. God invented sex. I mean, if there's no other reason for you to give your heart to Jesus, I just gave it to you right there. I mean, come on, y'all. He's been trying to tell us he's a good God for millennia. Okay. But anyway, uh, the impact of how people are hooking up now is so different. There's dating apps. There's OkCupid. There's Hinge. There's Fish. There's Tinder. There's all these different. Uh, so I had to watch. I didn't know how Tinder worked. Uh, hopefully, you're glad to know that. It is a dating app. And I watched an eight-minute instructional YouTube video on how it works because I, I didn't know. So if I sound like an expert today, it's because I watch YouTube, not because I use it. Okay, all right. So you got to swipe right until you find somebody that you're a match. If you don't like them, you swipe left. 
But if you think, oh, they're cute or whatever, then you, you, oh, I learned you have to have the right kind of um, you know, picture, profile picture. And a selfie, it's okay, but it's not ideal. You need somebody else to take the picture. Guys, this is for you. Don't look directly at the camera. Just look slightly off and kind of look up <laughs> like you're happy. You know? <laughs> and if you're going to be shirtless, guys, it needs to be like you're at the beach or something or playing some sort of sport, not like you're just flexing because you think you're stuck. Girls don't like that. Okay? We think they do. They don't. So I know because I watched the eight-minute YouTube video about this. All right, so there's, but, but nonetheless, the point being is that how it works is you swipe until you find somebody you like, and if you like them, you swipe right. And then eventually, if you swipe right enough, then there's a match. And then, but the problem is, is people keep swiping. That's the problem. And so now it seems like this is not just a dating app. This is actually a booty call app. And if you don't know what that is, um, uh, you're lying in church. But anyway, but people are now just using sex as like a commodity. Like, I mean, it says you, you can hook up with somebody that you've never met by using the dating app, and it's just like, it's easy as ordering an Uber. But it's a whole different kind of ride, I'll tell you that right now, and it's not, <laughs> and not everybody's been screened, so you need to be careful. I'm just telling you the truth. Somebody's got to, right? That's the pastor's job. But people are using this to hook up, have casual, no strings, attached, sexual encounters, and Tinder now has... Uh, over one trillion, with a T, swipes. I told you there's a whole lot of swiping going on. Trillion, that's like as big as our, we're getting up there close to our national debt. In places like New York, 80% of people between the ages of 18 and 24, 80%, that's, that's 8 out of 10 for those of you who didn't take a statistics class in college. 8 out of 10 people between the ages of 18 and 24 in places like New York City are all on the Tinder app. And they use it to find companionship. So, uh, and, and these, now, not only are people not wanting to get married, that was a trend about uh, 10, 15 years ago, people were getting married less, but cohabitating more. Now the trend has changed again. Not only do people not want to date, and, or not want to get married, but they're also not wanting to date someone steady. But there is one thing that hasn't changed. People still want to have sex. So that used to be the motivation for getting married. And then it was the motivation for dating. But now they don't even want to date. They just want to have sex. So, I mean, it's, um, uh, it's kind of like ordering something on Amazon Prime. It's just, which I'm thankful for Amazon Prime. But how many of those, there's a better, higher caliber way to do relationships? There is. I can tell that was news for somebody, but there really is. All right. One young lady said in Vanity Fair that young men don't want to have girlfriends anymore. They just want to, quote, hit it and quit it. So sex has become just a commodity. I'm going to have you turn to a passage of Scripture, and it's Exodus chapter 2 and verse 12. Exodus 2, 12. Uh, they'll put it on the screen for, for those of you that maybe don't have a Bible or smartphone. If you do... Break out your smartphone, go to your Bible app. Please don't go to uh, social media or Tinder, for that matter. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, this is a story of the original swipe left, swipe right. And it's a story about a guy that you know, even if you're not a Christ follower, you've probably heard of Moses. Moses was a child born to slaves in Egypt, Jewish slaves. The Pharaoh of Egypt said, these Jews are getting too numerous. Let's kill off the little baby so that the population slows down. And so Moses' mom hid baby Moses, made a little basket that floated, put him in the Nile River, and shoved him off and was like, oh, God, please protect my baby. I don't want him. And what happened, what happened was is that Pharaoh's daughter was in, near the river, and she saw, she heard the baby crying, and she drew him out of the water. Water represents judgment. Drew out. That, and that in the Hebrew is Moses. So his name means to be drawn out. God wants to draw all of us out of judgment because he has a divine purpose for us. Moses' divine purpose was to deliver the people of Israel from slavery and from bondage. Now, uh, when he got a little older, he started having a, a sense or an awareness that there was something God wanted him to do. And one day, the Bible says, he observed an Egyptian taskmaster abusing one of his Israeli brothers. And so he wanted to get vengeance 
And so he got in touch with his inner Avenger. He like got in touch with his inner Hulk or Thor or whatever. And he looked left. This is what verse 12 says. He looked left. He looked right. Nobody was watching. He mobbed the, the Egyptian guy, like choked him out, killed him, and buried him in the sand. All right. Now, here's what I want you to know is that a lot of times we look this way and we look that way. And he, when he saw no one, he committed this act. And we do the same thing when it comes to sex and relationships. We look this way. We look that way. But, but then we forget to look up. So it's not just swiping left and swiping right. It's not just looking left and looking right. I want to encourage you today to look up because that's where you're going to get some divine guidance when it comes to your relationships. Say, so why would God give me guidance? And because and, all I hear or all I've ever heard when I come to church is don't do this and don't do that. And by the way, let me just apologize on behalf of preachers and pastors everywhere because they often focus on telling you what not to do. Uh, but I want to tell you today that um, some things to do and some things not to do, some lies that you believe. But I want to make this very clear is that this is an instruction book, right? It's an owner's manual, if you will. People are like, oh, I don't want to read that. It tells me all the fun I can't have. Well, actually, we don't take that same mindset with anything else in life. I mean, if you go to Home Depot and buy a chainsaw and you, you pull out the owner's manual, you're like, Home Depot, they don't want me to have any fun. Look at all these instructions. <laughs> no, they don't want you to chop your arm off, right? Or somebody else's. Because chainsaws are helpful, but they're also dangerous, right? So this is an instruction book. And remember, who's going to know most about the chainsaw? The company that manufactured it, Right? They know how to and how not to use it and that sort of thing. Who's going to know the most about sex? Right. It's always a good answer in church, isn't it? God, that's always the right answer. No matter the question, just Jesus. Right. But you're right. He invented it, so he's going to know the most about it. So let's read the instruction book. And some of you might think, I've never heard that in church before. Well, but it's true anyway. So let's look at the owner's manual today. Okay, and let's see the original design and intent. So here's what happened to Moses. He, his desire, what he, what he wanted to do was good, but he acted on it at the wrong time. He knew he was called to be a deliverer, but he did the right thing at the wrong time. Let me say it to you this way. God didn't just want Moses to deliver one Israeli from one Egyptian taskmaster. In other words, he didn't want, he wanted Moses to deliver all Israelis from all taskmasters. Say it a different way. He didn't want Moses to bury one Egyptian army member, soldier in the sand. He wanted Moses to bury the whole Egyptian army in the Red Sea. So his heart, what he wanted to do was a good desire, but did he do it in the right way? Yes or no? No, and there were grave consequences. He had to run for his life. He had to hide in the desert for 40 years, you know. And, and so he, he did the, something that was good, a good desire, but he acted on it in the wrong way. Do you see the correlation here with sex? All right, let's just all say it together out loud so that we get it over with. In church, let's all say it together. Say sex. sex. All right, good. Somebody was really excited over here, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so <laughs> somebody brought their grandma to church. So we're <laughs> now it's kind of like this. Uh, there's a uh, we were looking at some property yesterday, and I was uh, we were looking at this acreage, and it was beautiful. And it was oh, this is so. And I was like, oh yeah, this is beautiful. And when they turned around, they looked at me. I had an armful of wood. They're like, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm picking up. I'm going to build a fire tonight at the house. They're like. Really, you're picking up people's sticks and you're putting it in the trunk of your car. But, but, but how many of you have to have fuel for the fire? You know, you have to have tinder, kindling. And, and, and actually got home last night, built a great fire. Uh, I have the new iPhone 11. It's got cool cameras. And so I actually took some video of the fire and posted it on social media, inviting you to come hear this sermon about fire. 
And so uh, great, great, great video footage. But here's the thing is, is a beautiful fire. And I've, I've taught my boys how to build fires. I have two strapping lads, that young men. And, and from since they were little, I said, here's how you build a fire, boys, you know. And what if one day I came home and the boys met me at the door like, Dad, we're so excited. You're going to be so proud of us. We built a fire. I'm like, all right. It's my boys. Yeah, let's go. And I walk in. And I'm like, uh, boys, your fire went out. There's nothing in the fireplace. Oh, no, we didn't build it in the fireplace. We built it on top of the dining room table. I mean, uh, good desire, bad placement. My wife, I don't know if any of the other guys you can relate to this, but it doesn't matter. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. She's cold. At night, when it's time to go to bed, she says, good Lord. It's, and I love it when she calls me Lord. But anyway, she says, good Lord. <laughs> it's freezing in here. And so, uh, so what if one night I said, baby, I know how cold you get at night. And um, uh, so uh, I built you a fire. Oh, thank you, honey. Well, it's not in the fireplace. Where is it? Oh, I built it under your side of the bed. And you're going to warm right up in no time. Right? Good thing. So a fire is good as long as it's where? In the right place. It warms us. It gives light to the room. You can roast marshmallows. You can, I mean, you can get creative, right? You can roast marshmallows. You can pop popcorn. You can do all kinds of fun stuff. They got these little packets you can throw in there and it makes the flames turn colors. It's pretty cool. But as long as it's kept in the right place, right? People ask me all the time. Married couples ask me all the time. And I don't mind. I, I pastor people and I love people and I love helping people. And I'll go ahead and tell you also, I don't know all the answers. And if I don't know the answer, you know, I'll just make something up. No, I'm just kidding. I won't. I'll tell you. I don't know the answer. Um, but people say, well, Pastor, is it okay as husband and wife if we do this in marriage and, and if we do this in our sexual relationship? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, first of all, <laughs> I don't want to hear. Hubbarding, hubbarding, hubbarding. I'm not listening. <laughs> but first of all, the Bible says that the marriage bed is undefiled, meaning that you can do anything that you both want to do as long as it's not harmful or hurtful. And so my question is always, well, does your wife like that? Well, yeah, then do it, man. Yeah. Well, if, if not, then don't do that. That's, I mean, that's simple. Yeah. What about, no, 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 no. I just answered your question. I don't need any details. If she likes it, do it. If she doesn't like it, don't do it. Okay. That's all we need to talk about right now. And that's pretty much how that works. You have to be in agreement. How can two walk together lest they be agreed? And that's the cool thing about marriage. It's a lot of fun. And so Again, the owner's manual is so that you can maximize the pleasure or maximize the use, not so that you can minimize and so that you can, you know, uh, uh, not have any fun, right? So here's the deal. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is kind of the sermon in a sentence today. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Maybe pop open a note in your iPhone or whatever and just put swipe right, and, uh, but then take these put the scripture references in these notes so that if anybody knows it through your phone and they see swipe right, they'll know that this is, this is good stuff, okay? This is not weird stuff, all right? And here, here, here we go. When you take what God has told you not to touch, it keeps him from being able to give you what he wanted you to have. When you take what he's told you not to touch, it keeps you from having what he really wanted you to have. Now, we're going to look at another verse, and this is in the book of Genesis. So I brought my Bible today. I want you to open to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 7, and then we're going to skip over to verse uh, 18. This is uh, Genesis 2, 7, and it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. So, so ladies, you're right. All of us guys, we're just dirt bags. We're made out of the dirt of the ground. And, and God breathed into him, his nostrils, the breath of life, and he became a living being. So God took dirt, and the Bible says he formed. And it literally means this in the Hebrew. It means he squeezed out. He took dirt, and he went, and then he inflated us. That's why we're so puffed up sometimes. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But he squeezed us out, breathed into us the breath of life, made us in his image. And then we're going to skip over to verse 18. And it says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. He observed man in his own natural habitat for a little while. And he came to the conclusion that he said, he created all these things and said, it is good. It is good. It is good. Then when he got to man being alone, he goes, this is not good. And ladies, if you're married, how many of you can testify that that's true? It's just not good for us to be left by ourselves for too very long, right? When my wife goes out of town for a week, I love it for like 36 hours. I'm like, woohoo, we're ordering pizza. We're going to watch people kill each other on TV. This is great. And then after 36 to 48 hours, I'm like, oh, I want my wife to come home. 
you know, I, I get into projects and things, and she comes and says, what have you done? So it's not good. <clears throat> and the Bible says that out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what Adam would call them, and whatever Adam called them, each living creature, that was its name. And by the way, just parenthetically speaking, Adam, good job. I mean, pretty platypus. That was pretty creative. I mean, I would have never come up with that. And then... Adam gives names to all the cattle and everything, and th- but the Bible says there was no helper comparable or suitable for him. I love how God calls wives helpers, because we need help, don't we, fellas? Just come on, just be honest. We need help. You can act like you don't, but we know that we do. And it's funny how God gave us two helpers, the Holy Spirit and our wives. We need a lot of help, fellas. And then also interesting that how a lot of times your wife sounds just like the Holy Spirit. That's pretty cool when that happens. Anyway, let's go to verse 21. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. How I many a deep sleep is a gift? And he slept. And God took one of his ribs. Now, it's important for me to point out a couple of things here. That God took something. Did you know that God's a taker? But I want you to know something. When God takes, it's not because he's trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something else better to you. And a lot of times, we need to remember this, especially when we, you know, quote, unquote, pass the plate at church. Says, oh, I can't believe that church trying to take our money. If they knew what I made, he wouldn't ask for 10% of my income. It's no, no. God's not trying to take something from you. He's always trying to get you to go into business with him. He's like, if you will just so give me something, let me take something, I'll give you something that's even better. It's a good deal. So God took one of his ribs. Why? He wanted to give him something better. So... But notice he took a rib. He didn't take a bone out of Adam's foot because he didn't want man walking all over women. You know, woman, get in your place. You know, like an Indian, you walk three steps behind me. That was not God's plan. Can I get an amen from the ladies? Amen. And then God did not take a bone from Adam's head so that the woman could dominate over the man. Can I get an uh-huh from the men? So, but where did God take the bone from? He took the bone right here next to his heart because women are supposed to be by our side under our protection but nearer to our heart why by our side because let me tell you something fellas they are our equals well the bible says they're the weaker vessels no it says that we are to honor them as weaker vessels they are not have you ever seen it uh, you were in there when your baby popped out i was they are not weaker vessels i got kind of weak i was like whoa whoo respect level went way up uh, but anyway, so they're not weaker. They're, they're physically weaker, but, but emotionally, they're, I mean, they're tough. They're tougher than we are as guys. And uh, that's another sermon for another Sunday, and I'll come back to that probably in the next week or two. You, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be quite entertaining because you're going to go, yes, that's true. But, but, but God took the woman from here because they're to be our equals, and they're always supposed to be near to our heart. Let me tell you in a nutshell, if your marriage is suffering, let me tell you one thing to do that'll fix your marriage. And I know this is going to be a quick kind of pat answer, but it's true. There's a lot to unpack, but I'm going to give it to you real quick. Turn your heart towards your mate. I've been happily married for 24 and a half years and 24 and a half out of 26 and a half ain't bad. And the only time, those two years that we weren't happily married, my heart was not turned towards my wife. When I turned my heart away from her, we uh, had a rough year. And, but when I turned my heart back towards her, we worked through our stuff. Because long-term love doesn't look for a way out. It looks for a way through. So, God took the rib, closed up the flesh in its place, verse 22. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman. That word made, remember he formed man out of the dust. That means he squeezed him out. But this word made in the Hebrew is a totally different Hebrew word. I'm so glad this word is here because it says that he built her. And that's where that song was written. She's a brick house. Right there in Genesis chapter 2, the word is actually... He built her. He sculpted her. Now, man squeezed him out. Woman, he sculpted her. That's why there's so many lines and curves. She's a work of art. Didn't God do a good job, fellas? Come on, somebody. Yes. That's why women are so much better looking than us men. They just are. Because God loves us. That's why. They are from the earth, twice removed. We're dirt bags, but you are a beautifully sculpted piece of art. 
You are. And God did that on purpose. And I'm so glad he did. He did a good job. He is an artist. And, there, and fellas, there is a rib out there just for you. <laughs> and then when Adam woke up, it says in verse 23, it says that God brought her to him. It didn't say he was on the internet swiping, you know, and hooking up with all these different ribs. And No, 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 no. God brought her to him. This was a supernatural divine thing. When you want, if you want to find the right one, baby, it's going to be a supernatural thing. God's going to be involved. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, we'll talk about that more next week too, perhaps. But Adam woke up and Adam, or God brought her to the man and Adam said, whoa, man. And that's how they got their name. You know, you're going to get so much theology today, did you? Whoa, man. Whoa, man. It means out of, brought out of man is what it actually means. But then Adam was so excited. He was so moved. He wrote a poem. How many know, fellas, when we write poetry, it's on like Donkey Kong. I mean, we are excited. We are romantic. And listen to the poem. Here we go. You want to hear the poem? He said, now this is bone of my bone. And I don't know why I'm doing this with the English accent, but and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Woe Man because she was taken out of man. And that's it. That was the whole poem right there. The whole thing. Didn't rhyme, nothing. That's, that's, as, good as, we get. that's as good as it gets, ladies. I'm sorry. <laughs> and therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And here's my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, verse 25, and they were both naked and not ashamed. Can I get an amen in the house of God today, somebody? Woo! <laughs> they were naked and not ashamed. This is called gloriously naked. This is called married naked. Now, if you're naked and ashamed, you're, not, you're probably not married. And if you're Naked and not married, you should be ashamed. Because that's not the way God created or designed it. He created us to be gloriously, unashamedly naked with our mate. Now, you're probably wondering, why is there a pineapple on my podium today? And you probably figured it out. You're probably, oh, I bet that's so he can talk to us about the historical event that happened in 1492. We all know what happened in 1492, right? The great pineapple craze, exactly. <laughs> now, yes, Columbus did sail the ocean blue, and because he did, they brought back to the New World something that Europeans had never seen before, pineapples. And they didn't know what to call them. In Hindi, they're called ananas, if you want to know that. Nothing to do with bananas. They call those kalas. I don't know. But in English, they said, what are those? I don't know. But it looks like a giant pine cone. It tastes like an apple. Let's call it a pineapple. And that's how they got their name. That's a true story. But these were so rare, they couldn't be grown. They had migrated to the Caribbean and those islands in Florida. They couldn't be grown in Europe, so they would bring some back. And people went so crazy over pineapples, they started buying them. But only the upper, they became a um, status symbol. They really did. We had iPhones, they had pineapples. You know what I'm saying? Apple, pineapple. <laughs> Hello. So that was the original status symbol back in 1492. And they were, at one point, they were going for, in today's money, over $8,000 per pineapple. People, and some people couldn't afford them, so they would rent them. This is true. They would rent pineapples, and they would have pineapple parties. Whoop, whoop. Hey, you want to come over? Yeah, pineapple, pineapple party! Hey, they would come over, they'd put it on the mantle, and would they chop it up and put little spears in it and eat it? No. They would just look at it, and they would talk about it, and they might would sniff it, you know, and talk about how exotic, and, oh, Marguerite, I can't believe they have a pineapple. This is, oh, it's indubitably wonderful. It's marvelous. Where did you, where is this one from? This one's from, um, I think they call it um, Jamaica or something like that, but it's, yes, it's, it's quite marvelous. Look at that crown. It must be royal. Marvelous. And they would talk about the pineapple, and, and, and they wouldn't even eat it. They would let it sit there until it rotted and decayed because it was a status symbol. 
Why? Because they were so rare. But now, I went this morning, I went to neighborhood Walmart and I bought these chunks for $1.96. And I looked at the label. There's some weird ingredients in here, but you can pop this open. It smells, tastes pretty much like pineapples. It's got a little weird twang to them. But I guarantee you, it wouldn't taste near as good as this fresh one if we chopped it open. Right? Now, let this be a metaphor. Married sex, unmarried sex. Married, unmarried. Married, unmarried. All right. Now, cost more $8,000 because it's rare. This is just chunks. You're just... Spearing little chunks every time you swipe right and click on porn and, you know, hook up with somebody. It's meaningless. And there's some weird ingredients in there, but that's an illustration I'm not going to pursue any further. <laughs> here's, here's the take home. Something widely available to everyone is hotly desired by no one. And so it is with Sex. Sex with everyone is really sex with no one. It's just one swipe or pineapple chunk at a time. So what makes sex so amazing, and I, will, I just want to testify this morning at the goodness of the Lord that sex is amazing. I have it a lot, and it's wonderful. In fact, I highly recommend it. And the reason that sex with my wife is so hotly amazing is because it is not easily accessible to anybody else. In fact, there's 7 billion people. This is the way marriage is supposed to work. There's 7 billion people on the planet, but she and I are a part of a very exclusive club. In fact, there's only two of us. (laughs) And that's the way God designed it. Well, I just want to have sex with everybody. Okay, which is really having sex with nobody because here's some lies that people believe. We're going to talk about four lies real quick. Number one, here's the number one lie. Well, it's just biological, dude. I mean, it's just physical. It's a physical act. I mean, we ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like to do it on Discovery Channel. Some of you didn't get that, but anyway. That's a human perspective. It's just, let's get physical, physical for all you 80s people. There you go. Throw one out there for, okay, y'all aren't laughing But God says, in the owner's manual, it's not just, is it physical? Yes, that's why you should take care of yourself and all that. But it's not just physical. Let me read you a verse. Out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, they're going to put it on the screen for you. 1 Corinthians 6, 16, we're going to read the owner's manual. And this says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? So, it's going to say, if you're having sex with somebody you're not married to, you're having sex with the harlot. Fail or fe- male or female harlot, whatever, because it's, it's harlotry. You're in one body with her. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. In other words, there's something mystical that happens. There's something emotional that happens when you have sex, but there's also something spiritual that happens when you have sex. Now, I could describe the emotional. There's an enmeshment. There's a connection. There's, there's a, 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 we call it a soul tie, and some soul ties are good. You're supposed to have them. Well, what happens spiritually? I don't know, but it's awesome. It's a mystery. I am physically, spiritually, and emotionally connected to my wife. And you can only be connected to one person like that. Now, you can have sex. You can go your separate ways. But I, I should have done it. I've almost got two pieces of paper. And I got a glue stick in my office. I, I don't know. I'm weird. I, I like cut stuff out and glue stick it in my journal. Anyway. But you can take two pieces of paper, glue stick them together, and then you can pull them apart. But what's going to happen? Tears. And you can take that torn paper and you can glue it to another piece of paper and then you can tear it apart. What's going to happen? Tears, injury, residue. So anytime, whenever you have sex with somebody, you take a little piece of them with you and the little piece of them goes with you. And that ain't always good because there's some weird people out there. Have you noticed that? Some really weird, messed up people, nasty people out there. And and you don't want to be taking that baggage with you because here's the deal about the baggage. Whatever you load, you're going to lug it. Which, thank God, here at Harvest Church, we have Freedom Small Groups. And, and if you have been swiping right, you might need to go to a Freedom Small Group and get set free from some of your baggage. Amen. It's a wonderful, liberating, freeing thing. And God will cleanse you, and we're going to tell you how you can move forward into your future. But here's line number two. Well, I can do what I want, and I can do what God wants. 
Now, in one way, you can do what you want and do what God wants if you do it the way God wants it done. That's true. But you can't be the Lord of your life and him be the Lord of your life. He's either the Lord of all or not Lord at all. Here's what people think. It's a lie. They think, well, when I'm young right now, I'm going to sow my wild oats. What do you reap when you sow oats, by the way? Oatmeal? I don't know. But I'm just going to get it out of my system when I'm young. And when I'm older, I'll repent. But here's the thing. Here's the problem with that is that you don't get it out of your system. You're really getting it into your system. And what happens when you get poison or toxins into your system? It jacks up your system. It messes you up. It can mess you up physically, just not to mention STDs and all that. Uh, well, what if we you know, use protection? It messes you up emotionally, and it messes you up spiritually. That's why we got so many messed up people, which is why God sent Jesus, but there's a better way. So you don't get it out. You get it in. You're loading your baggage, and again, what you load, you will lug. Stag parties, bachelorette parties. You know, Nashville's now the number one place in America for bachelorettes to go and have their bachelorette parties. And there are people making businesses out of buying properties and renting them out to these crazy bachelorettes who come and they get their party on and they, you know, the, the, the bride has her bride veil on, but they're drinking and having sex with, because they're getting it out of their system before they get married. No, you're opening a door to the enemy to come into something that's beautiful and sacred. And to the, you know what the devil's going to do? He's going to poo-poo all over your party. Because you're not getting it out of your system, you're getting it into your system. Let me read another verse to you. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 and 17. Hebrews 12, 16 and 17 from the Message Translation. In our last series, Altars, we talked about this guy named Esau. Remember the Kansas soup? So there he says, watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then it was too late. So the devil, by the way, will wait until you are worn down to bring you a temptation that promises relief, but it doesn't give relief. It creates more problems. So again, the devil will wait till you're worn down to bring you a temptation that promises relief. It's kind of like... I was thinking, what shall we liken this unto? It's kind of like going, to the gro- going grocery shopping on an empty stomach. How many know when you do that, you buy all sorts of crap you don't need? I have lots of Captain Crunch to prove what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I said, I don't do that anymore. I try not to anyway. I'm like, if I'm in there, I'm hungry. I'm like, no, just, just walk past. Keep your head down. Don't look at Captain Crunch in the eye. He's like, come here. But that's what happens when your soul is empty and when you're not staying filled up spiritually, when you're not coming to church and going to a small group, and when you're relying on the likes and the retweets and the, uh, the swipes and all that to, for, your, for your self-esteem, then you're, you're just buying Captain Crunch that you don't need. It's just junk. So, so the enemy will wait until you're tired or hungry, and then he'll tempt you. Here's what happened to Esau. He could have been related to Jesus, but he sold his birthright for a can of soup. And now listen to this. He didn't get to keep this birthright or the soup. I don't mean to be crude, but the soup didn't stick with him. So he didn't get to keep either one. And that's just like sex outside of marriage. It is not satisfying. It's not. So stay full. How do you stay full? You got to stay full of who Christ says you are so that you don't fall for any line that some dude says you are. If you're feeding on the word of God, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, you are, I'm the apple of your eye. And then when some dude comes along and says, hey, baby, you're hot. You can say, I know I'm hot because Jesus already told me. You can get lost, punk. (laughs) See you later, Captain Crunch. Because you know who you're already full. So when the temptation comes, you're not, you're not tempted to go after something that's not going to really satisfy you. Right? You see the illustration there? Galatians 5.13 in the message says, Galatians 5.13, if you're taking notes, it says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Everybody say free life. That's what we want. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom 
as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. How does freedom grow? By serving. Now, I won't get to get into this because there's not time, but again, uh, my wife, bless her heart, had to sit through this the first service today. She was kept covering her face. But anyway, um, we serve each other. And if you want to be satisfied, you serve each other. Jesus said, you want to be the greatest? Be the servant, right? So, um, fellas, we got to serve our wives. We got to serve them sexually. You got you to gotta work, 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 work. <laughs> but you also take out the trash. You wash dishes. You change diapers. You serve. You get a job. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You just do some things that serve your family. And that'll turn her on. Because when you're both serving each other, it's amazing. Jesus said it this way. It's better to give than receive. Now think about that in your marriage bed. Okay? If you're both giving, whoo-hoo. That's what we call abundant life, and that's how your freedom grows. So we're not saying what you can't do today. We're just saying there's a better way. All right? Um, God would much rather, can God forgive me if I've messed up? Absolutely. But don't wait till later to get forgiveness. He would much rather be blessing you than forgiving you. My wife and I, we are blessed. We have a blessed marriage. Here's lie number three. Sexual temptations are, are only before you're married. <laughs> I wish that was true. Sexual temptations are only issues before you get married. But how many know Satan never goes away? I hate that guy. He just changes his strategy. Before marriage, what does he do? He's tempting you to have sex with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And then you get married to him, and he's doing everything he can to get you to not have sex with the exact same person. Right? So, all right, all you married people, I want you to give the devil a black eye. I'm giving you a homework assignment. I want you to all go home and have sex. There you go. <laughs> Pastor's orders. Anybody receive that today? Come on. Amen. Name of the Father, name of the Son. Wait, sorry, hold on. Name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit. All right, go home, married people, have sex with each other. With your, with your spouse. Just clarifying, just, just in case. Amen. You're welcome. People are like, I love this church. I'm so glad you said we should visit today. This is great. <laughs> okay. Can we keep moving now? When someone says, oh, well, we're not stealing. We're not stealing sex. We're not, I mean, uh, we're not stealing sex from anybody else. We're, we're engaged. We're going to get married. So it's technically, it's technically ours anyway. Here's what that person is telling you. They're telling you that they have a total disregard for God and his authority in their life. So if so, and, and, and right, it, it is going to be yours, but it's going to be, it's not yet. So if you're partaking of the forbidden fruit, so to speak, before you're married, or if someone's pressuring you, if you're engaged and they're pressuring you, or we're, we're, we're practically married, yet practically we're not. And so wait, why, why wait? Because you're showing God that you're going to honor him. I mean, I didn't say this in the, in the first service. Let me say it to you now. Uh, and I want you to, if you're watching online, you listen up. If they will not be faithful with you before marriage, what makes you think they will be faithful to you after marriage? That's why you wait until you're married. You're demonstrating your faithfulness to God and to your future spouse. Oh my God, we're married, but we didn't wait. The Bible says it's better to marry than to burn, so we, we were having sex, so we got married. Well, my God, what do we do? You, you, here's what you do. One of you go to the other one, and you say, baby, I love you. We did something wrong. You're not wrong, <laughs> but what we did is my fault. I take responsibility, I apologize, I, but, and I've asked the Lord to forgive me, and now I'm asking you to forgive me, but I want you to know that I'm faithful to God, and I'm faithful to you, and moving forward, everybody say moving forward, <clears throat> moving forward, I want you to know that we're going to honor God with our money, with our marriage, with our kids, all right, because you, you can't alter the past, but you can bring your past to the altar, and you can move forward, amen, yeah. amen, that's good news, isn't it, so, uh, I'll just say this. So, uh, because again, the devil, he doesn't play fair. He'll try to tempt you to have sex before you're married and then tempt you to not have sex after you're married. You should always, you never stop dating. 
If you're, if you're married, keep dating each other. Because if you ain't dating your mate, the devil will send somebody who will. Woo. So ladies, let me talk to the ladies for just a second. Don't just dress up when you're having girls night out, okay? I mean, we, we like seeing you anytime and all the time, but we don't just want to see you with rollers in your hair and that green mask thing you wear. I don't know what that's all about, but I mean, we're glad you do it. But we don't want to just see that. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so ladies, dress up for your man. Dress up for your man. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you might want to dress a little provocative for your man, for your man. Sometimes I'll, I'll see a dress, and uh, I'll go, ooh, Adrian, you look good in that. And she goes, that's a date night dress. You know what that means? <laughs> it's coming off. All right. <laughs> men. <laughs> All the men say, yeah. So you won her, but you got to keep winning her. And all the ladies said, amen. amen. So keep working to win. You got to work, 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 right? All right? So if your marriage isn't working, it's probably because you ain't working it. I'll just tell you this. You will enjoy your marriage to the level of your exertion. It's like a garden. It doesn't grow by accident. It takes work. But when you work, it's plentiful and abundant and it's wonderful. But you don't just look out the window one day and go, oh, well, look at all that corn and peas. How'd that happen? No, you got to till and you got to plant and you got to fertilize. And sometimes fertilize stinks and you got to weed and you got to shoo the critters away. And there's work, but there's fruit. And marriage is the same way. You, if you will work at it, you will enjoy the fruit of it. Having a good sex life takes work. And that's why guys just want to hit it and quit it. They don't want to date. They don't want to, they don't want to mate. They just want to, it's kind of like, I want, the, I want the milk, but I don't want the cow. But that does not work long term, right? Here's the last slide that spoils love. Number four, I've already messed up. So why do right now? I've already messed up. If you're still alive, it's not too late to honor God. If you're still breathing, you can still honor God. You don't have to live in regret. And that's a good word, man. You do not have to live in regret. Because just like it says on the side of the building here, no perfect people allowed, we mean that. Now, that, we'll accept you just like you are, but I'm going to challenge you not to stay that way. Okay? So, but you can move forward. Your life isn't over yet. Moving forward, you can do what's right. So what does honoring God look like when you've already made a mistake? That's a good question. And I want to share one more verse with you today. And it's in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29 and verse 11. This will be our last verse for the day. Jeremiah 29, 11. And God's talking here, and this is what he says. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Did you know God has a plan for you? He says, I got, and then he goes on to say, I know the thoughts I think towards you. These are good thoughts. Um, I, I think towards you, uh, they are thoughts of peace, not of evil or catastrophe, to give you a future and a hope. The NIV says to, to give you a prosperous future. So God has good plans for you. Even if, aren't you glad God doesn't consult your past to determine your future? And his future that he's planned for you is good and it's pleasant and it's prosperous and it's peaceful and it's bright. And it's abundant. And I'll dare say that it's probably full of fantastic sex. But you got to do it God's way. <clears throat> so here's your practical application. Other than the one I already gave the married people, you remember who you are. All right, so go home and be doers of the word. <laughs> but here's your big take home for today, okay? Stay full of who God says you are so you don't need the likes and swipes and affirmations of who other people tell you are. Join a small group. In fact, small groups launch today. You can go out in the hallway, and there's 24 or 5 of them to sign up to choose from. And you can, you can be a member of more than one if you're a groupie. We don't care. You just have two or three. <laughs> Knock yourself out. But join a small group. That could be and probably is your next step. And if you've struggled with these areas in the past, join the Freedom Small Group. They meet here every Wednesday night. There's child care available. And, and, it's, and it's, you're not going to have to get up and tell everybody everything you did. Okay, we want you to know that. It's not like that at all. It's something between you and God. And we walk you through the process of getting free from your past so that you can step into your amazing future. Okay. So, in conclusion, God specializes 
in bringing beauty from ashes. So matter, no matter what you've done, who you've done, or who you've done it with, the blood of Jesus is strong enough and powerful enough to cleanse you of all unrighteousness because his righteousness is not based on you. It's placed on you. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on what Jesus has done for you. And his grace is sufficient, and it's so strong that it can keep you, not, not free you to live in sin, but free you from sin. Because living God's way, it is so much better. I didn't say it was easy, but it's easier. It's better. Jesus called it abundant life. And it splashes over into every area of your life. May I pray for you today? Would you bow your heads? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, man, I heard from God today. Whether it was something about, I'm going to go home and talk to my kids. Or I'm going to put filters on my, my phone or my kid's phone. Or, or I'm going to go home and have sex with my mate. Or I'm going to uh, dump toxic relationships. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to delete Tinder from my phone. Whatever. If you heard from God today in any way, would, if he spoke to you, would you just raise your hand real quick? Say, that's me. God spoke to me. Awesome. Hands everywhere. Awesome. Okay. Put your hands down. If you're here today and you would say, today, I would like to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is my Lord, that I'm saved, that heaven is my home. I want that righteousness of God placed on me, the, the kind that's not based on me. I, I want to I step into what he's done and stop living in what I've done. If you want to know beyond the shadow, not have hope so, but know so salvation, I want to lead you in, the, in a prayer of salvation today. I'm going to pray this prayer, and if you say, Pastor, please include me in the prayer. I'm not going to make you stand up or come forward or anything like that. But if you would say, Pastor, please include me in the prayer of salvation. Real quick, raise your hand right now. Nobody's looking around. Say, I need to know that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Awesome. One, two, three, four, five, six. Anybody else? Seven. God bless you. Eight. God bless you. Nine. Excellent. Anybody else, you raised your hand, should have raised your hand. Come on, let's all pray together right now, Harvest Church. There's nine people that just raised their hand. If you're watching this online and you need to make things right with God, you join us in prayer right now. Let's all say it with these nine folks. Say, why, am I, why are we all praying together? We don't want those nine people to feel alone because they're not alone anymore. They're joining the family of God. Let's all say it together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin. I cannot alter my past, but I'm bringing my past to the altar. Wash me clean. Jesus, I say you are my Lord. From this moment forward, I'm going to live your way. Now fill me with your spirit and give me power to live this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody. Nine people just gave their heart to Jesus. That's awesome. That's what it's all about. Woo!